The thing about head wounds is there's just so much blood. One of our children gave himself a great little Harry Potter scar and the blood was everywhere. About 30% of your blood gets pumped up into your head just to keep your brain ticking over. And so when you happen to put a hole in it, the amount of blood that comes out just drips off you. And so we whipped our little one into hospital and there was a towel and blood everywhere and they whipped him straight in. So much blood. Well, Jesus starts telling his disciples in this passage of Luke the scary news about his coming death. So scary that when he contemplates it, just beforehand in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's sweating like a head wound. The sweat is just dripping off him as he contemplates going to his crucifixion. But let's backtrack just a little bit. Um, We're still figuring out who Jesus is as we come to Luke chapter 9. If you'd like to have Luke chapter 9 open there, I'll be picking it up pretty much from about verse 18. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. My name's Jonathan Peart. I hope you can stay with us for a cup of tea afterwards uh, and you'll get to know me or perhaps some of the other people here as we spend a little bit of time getting to know Jesus. Um, a few right ideas about Jesus doesn't make you right with God. A few right ideas about Jesus doesn't make you right with God. You see, the crowd the crowd that's been following Jesus around, they've started to come up with a few right ideas about Jesus. But they're not right enough. You see, they've figured out that Jesus is a prophet. So, verse 19, Jesus praying alone with only the disciples near him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, well, Some say John the Baptist. Some people in the crowds say Elijah. Still others say one of the ancient prophets risen from the dead, like maybe Moses. And they're right. God had promised them a prophet like Moses would come again. And Jesus is going around telling people the good news about the kingdom of God. He's doing powerful miracles like Moses did to testify to the trustworthiness of his words and the trustworthiness of God. But Jesus is so much more than a prophet. And people today, people today have all kinds of ideas about Jesus and many of those ideas are right. Jesus was a good man. Well, yes, the best. Jesus was a wise teacher. Yes, wiser than Solomon. Jesus was a spiritual man. Well, yes, he's the most filled with the Holy Spirit ever. But Jesus is so much more. He is the Messiah. What's a Messiah? He is God's chosen King and Saviour of the world. God's chosen and designated King and Saviour of the world. 
And to just know that he is good and wise and spiritual, well, that's not right enough. Even to try yourself to be good and wise and spiritual like he was, that's not right enough. Because to fail to recognise him as the God-appointed king and your own saviour, to fail to recognise that, well, that's just not right. That's just not right at all. For that's who he is. Well, second point. Is it possible to have the right idea and no idea at the same time? Well, it is possible, isn't it? We had the Sunday school kids here this morning. They had the right idea, um, Jesus, but no idea quite why that was the right idea. Um, And you see here in this passage that Peter, Peter has the right idea and no idea at the same time. Who do you say I am? Jesus asks to his disciples. Who do you say I am? And Peter pipes up, you're the Messiah of God. Yes, he's got the right idea. What does that mean? Well, I think Peter thinks that, oh, we get to go and kick Roman butt. Um, No, Peter. I think for us, we're so familiar, so familiar with the suffering and the crucifixion of Jesus. I think it's hard for us to grasp just how hard it is for the disciples to grasp that their Messiah, their King and Saviour, is going to suffer and die. Have you ever been confidently wrong? I know I have. Peter's, Peter's confidently wrong. Jesus the Messiah and this is what it's going to mean. And so Jesus has to start teaching them that they're right and but they're wrong as well. There's a whole different dimension. I know I've been confidently wrong like Peter. I drove a delivery van in Sydney for a while. Third day on the job, got the list of delivery sites and uh, this day they were sending me back to, well, uh, let's just call it a place like Moxham's um, in Armidale. If you're local, you can see where this is going already. There's about five Moxhams in Armidale. <laughs> you see, I, I looked at the list, I looked at the map, I put the deliveries in the most efficient route to drive around, I loaded all the boxes in the van, ignoring the correct address that was on every box about which Moxhams to take it to, because I confidently had been there just the day before. I'd been to the shop, I knew where to go, I knew how to get there. And I finally get there and deliver all the boxes and the guy says, I didn't order these, these aren't meant for us. And there was confusion and embarrassment and forward slapping. Oh, a different Moxham's on the other side of town, just like it's written down on every one of the boxes. Um... I just, I thought I knew and any other information wouldn't fit in my head because I already knew. 
just like Peter and the disciples. They know where the Messiah goes and they've got a pretty good idea of how to get there. They've got the right idea and no idea at the same time. And so Jesus starts teaching them stuff that they just can't get a handle on. Stuff that it it doesn't fit with anything else in their heads. And so it can't go in because it just doesn't fit. It's like, you know, a square peg in a round hole. The Messiah must undergo suffering. The Messiah must undergo great suffering, says Jesus, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. The Messiah is going to be rejected by his own people and killed, killed and rise again. They just couldn't get a handle on it. Up to this point in Luke's Gospel, Jesus has been telling everyone about the kingdom of God and doing amazing things until finally they get it. This is the Messiah. And from this point on, a lot of what he's doing is trying to teach them what that means, what he's going to do as the Messiah as he sets his face now to head towards Jerusalem and his crucifixion. If you've already got a handle on that, fantastic. You've been well taught. But if you don't understand, and I hope there's some people here who don't understand, who are still growing in their understanding of this, you're in great company. Jesus' own disciples here haven't got it all figured out and they're just learning. And, and we all, all of us, we all start with very little idea and often a bunch of wrong ideas about Jesus and about God. So we need to listen to Jesus hard. If we have incomplete and wrong ideas about God and Jesus then we should expect him to say things that are impossible and difficult and don't fit with what's already in our head because what's already in our head won't be complete and it won't all be right. So we need to listen like the disciples. Listen till our brain hurts and our eyes open and the light of understanding dawns upon us because it is possible To have the right idea and no idea at the same time. So listen hard. Because understanding Jesus, that's the easy part. There's a bit that's even harder. And that comes next. Following Jesus, that's the hard part. Because after he's said what he's going to do, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, killed on the third day and be raised. Then he says to all of them, to us, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Followers of Jesus deny self they shoulder their cross daily that is hard that takes some thinking just to sit back and contemplate Jesus 
shouldering his cross and calling us to do likewise. Take up our cross daily. What is that going to be like? What was it like for Jesus? Jesus didn't find it easy. Don't expect it to be easy to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus, well, as he contemplated picking up his cross, he was sweating like a head wound, the sweat dripping off him to contemplate the hard thing that he's going to have to do. Following Jesus will involve doing hard things, picking up your cross daily. Don't expect it to be easy. So what did he do? What was he doing as he was sweating so hard? He was praying. Expect the Christian life to involve a lot of prayer about some hard things. As well as thanks for all the good that God has done and promises us. Pray about hard things. And guess what? Jesus wasn't there doing it on his own, was he? He went off there with his friends to pray about his troubles and his hardships. Grab your friends and pray together. Pray. And God answered that prayer. God strengthened Jesus to be able to do the hard thing that there was ahead of him. Expect God to help you to do the hard thing. God's promised he won't put anything in front of you that's too hard for you to do. He's also promised there'll be plenty of hard things. So pray for the strength to get through the hard stuff. How else was it for Jesus? Jesus struggled with mixed motives. Jesus prayed, Lord, take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. There's what he wants and feels, there's what he knows God wants, and he struggles with mixed motives. I would expect, we can expect, that we're going to find it hard to want to do the right thing. We're going to have other things that we would rather be doing and we would want to not do the hard thing even though we know it's the right thing to do. If that's what Jesus found, I think we could expect no less. So don't let mixed motives, don't let the other things that you want to do stop you from doing what you know is right. And don't think that having the mixed motives means that you're not up to scratch and you're not holy enough. And Jesus struggled with this too. Hard stuff is hard. And so, ask for God's help to do what is the right thing to do and to do his will. And God helps with prayers like that, like he helped Jesus. Don't expect all your friends to be there at the end. Jesus had a lot of his friends run off. And even mum, who was there at the foot of the cross, as he was dying there, wasn't able to help. Don't expect that everyone's going to get you out of the hard situation 
and that everyone is going to stick with you through it. Not even the 12 apostles stuck with Jesus through his hard time. Stay the course because it's the right thing to do. God is with you and God's got your back. Like he had Jesus. For there is life after death. And that changes the whole economy of everything. That's what Jesus explains next. Those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? What does it profit if you gain the whole world and then you lose it? Why work for something that you can't keep? And the other great problem with gaining the whole world is where are you going to put it? I mean, it's a whole planet. Where are you going to put a planet? You need another planet just to put it. It's like, you get so much stuff, you've got nowhere to put it. And you can't keep it. Where's the point in giving up what you can't afford? God offers us what we can't afford, eternal life. You just can't buy that. There is no coin There is no gift, there is no deal to get eternal life. And God's giving it away. Who gives up what they can't afford to have what they can't keep? God changes the economy of everything, of our very life. Lose your life to save it. Try saving your life and you'll lose it. Well, that's what he says. But you'd need a lot of confidence. You'd need certainty, even, that this life of service and suffering would be worth it. What would it take to convince you that Jesus is the Messiah, the King and Saviour, that he's worth listening to, that he's worth following? You might need something more. And this is what he shows us. What the disciples saw and they passed on to us. Just eight days later, Jesus took with him Peter, John and James and they went up the mountain to pray. And while they're praying, again, sleepy, the disciples, if you notice it there. But this time they they managed to stay awake and this is what they saw. They saw the face of Jesus changed and his clothes become dazzling white. They see the glory of God and the angels in the face of Jesus. They get a glimpse of the glory of God in this man. They see Moses and Elijah. Moses, the greatest saviour who brought the people on their exodus out of Egypt, talking to Jesus about his exodus, his departure. The greatest saviour is talking to Jesus and taking notes. Jesus is greater than Moses. And Elijah, the great prophet who pointed to things to come, he's there talking to the glorified Jesus. Jesus is the thing that was to come. All that Old Testament is here. And Jesus is greater than all of it. Shining with the glory of God. 
And if that wasn't enough, they got something more. A cloud came and overshadowed them in 34. And they were terrified as they entered the cloud. And then from the cloud a voice came that said, This is my son, my chosen. The very voice of God confirms who this man is. The son of God, his chosen one. If anyone is going to be king and saviour, it is this one. The voice of God confirms it. And what does he say to do? Listen to him. That's what God wants us to do. Listen to him. We can have a lot of things right, but not be right enough if we're not listening to Jesus. Just thinking that he's, you know, good and wise and an example and a teacher and, you know, those things are all true and they're right, but they're not right enough. We need to listen to Jesus as he explains that he needs to suffer and die for our good, to save us. And we need to be like him. As he went around teaching that news, what has he been doing the whole time that he's been talking to everyone? Well, verse 11, when the crowds found out about it, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed to be cured. As we're followers of God, do that. Welcome people. Speak to them about the kingdom of God. Heal those who need to be cured. Help people where they need to be helped. That's what Jesus did. Welcome them. Help them where they need to be helped. And the biggest help they need is we're dying. We're all dying and we need the good news about eternal life. We need not just to have a right idea that Jesus is the Messiah, but to understand that. To listen hard so that we can grow in our knowledge. The bits we don't understand and don't make sense can, with hard work and good listening, start to make sense. Such that serving people, giving up, giving away our things, doing hard things starts to make sense to us because we know we can't keep it. And we know we get everything with Jesus who will come in the glory that we have already glimpsed and that the very voice of God is confirmed. This is my son, my chosen one. So my friends, listen to him.